Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Resting Place Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. All right, how many ready for the main point? Main point is we will conquer through boldness. We will conquer through boldness. I, I know that that word conquer seems like kind of an old school word, like, Joel, like, we don't really, like, we don't actually, like, fight people these days. You know what I mean? I mean, God bless our military, right? They're, fight, they're fighting our battles for us. But the rest of us, the only real fight you get into is who's going to get the shopping cart first at Walmart. You know what I mean? Like, we don't really get into real fights. Like, conquering is such a violent word, Right? When I was praying about what was the word for 2024, the Lord said, this is the year of conquest. So although, although you may not be fighting like an actual, like you may not actually be in a real army where you're actually fighting to conquer another country, but you are called to conquer things in this life. You are called to occupy certain things that only you are called to occupy. God has a very unique story for your life. He has a unique story for you that he planned, and he has a certain space in this world that he's called you to occupy. I, I have a, I, he hates it when I do this. I have a wonderful friend, Justin, over here. Sorry. <laughs> Justin is one of the best songwriters I've ever met in my life. And although, like, you know, he's got a beautiful family and he works hard, I still think in the realm of songwriting, that is an area that he is called to conquer. Yeah? I, 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 have, I have wonderful friends. My friend Jake here. It's his birthday, by the way. Hey? <laughs> you guys want to do this right now? <laughs> We're recording, so I guess it's going to show up on the sermon. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Jake. Happy birthday to you. All right, yeah. Thank you for that. You guys are awake this morning. I love it. My friend Jake here um, has a, a massive calling Uh, to the nations, right? Particularly, God has called him to the nation of Uganda. So there are certain things, ministries, that he is called to occupy in that country. And we as his church support him, yes? My friend Phil over here. Sorry, Phil. (laughs) Phil works in actually the food distribution business. He works with farmers all around the country to make sure that our food products end up on our shelves. How would you say, how many of you think that food is an important business to be in? It kind of keeps us all alive, okay? This is an area that he is called to conquer in. My friend Asiel, sorry, but I'm not really sorry. I'm actually having fun doing this. My friend Asiel has started a, he, he, he's got a passion for cars. He's loved cars all his life. 
His son also loves cars. Every time you see them, he's playing with cars. But Asiel works for a uh, car manufa- parts manufacturer, and they sell and distribute car parts. But he decided that he wanted to start a nonprofit that provides auto repair services to those who cannot afford it. This young man has determined in his heart that no one should have to choose whether to put food on the table or to repair your car so you could go to work. His, his ministry that he started is called No Need, no need Garage. No Need Garage. That is an area that he is called to conquer in. That is a space that he's called to bring the conquest of heaven into that space. The word conquer is the word occupy a place or a people by military force. The Bible says that since the days of John the Baptist till now, the kingdom of heaven has suffered violence, and the violent take it by force. What what does that mean? What does that mean? That means there are things that you are called to that you actually have to go and take by force. Now, look, I don't want you to go to jail. Okay, so this is the don't go to jail disclaimer. (laughs) But other than getting you in jail, I need you to get very serious about your calling. I need you to get very serious about taking hold of the promises that God has over your life and to take them by force. God does not want you to be passive about his promises. God wants you to participate in his promises. Now, there are certain things that God has destined for your life that only he can do. There are certain things in your journey and in your calling that only set aside for him. But there is a lot that you are called to do in this process as well. So what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to be passive when it comes to the promises of God over your life. Can I get an amen? All right, so... That was just the introduction. We're going to be here a while. So settle in. Sorry. Three things that God, three keys that God has given me for conquering in 2024. You ready for three keys? Three keys are prayer, time and prayer. Number two, acts of boldness. And number three, consistent discipline. So there's certain things that God has called you to conquer in in your life. And there's three keys that he's put, at least in my purview, for us to focus on. Be praying about it. Time in prayer, right? We talked about prayer last week. Today we're going to be talking about boldness. Acts of boldness. And then we'll finish off next week with consistent discipline. So, how many of you are ready for the definition of boldness? There we go. Jake's ready. Lem's ready. The word bold or boldness is an adjective. It means of a person or an action or an idea showing the ability to take risks, to be confident and courageous. It is the notion that a person, a place, or an idea is willing to take risks. Is really step forward confidently and to be of great courage. 
Now, we are not simply suggested to be bold. We are not merely encouraged to be bold. We have been commanded to be bold. I don't remember that in the Ten Commandments. Well, here's what it says in Joshua chapter 1, verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid and do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you everywhere you go. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. This is not simply a suggestion from God. It's one of his commands. You and I don't have the option to not be bold. It's not in the cards for us. But, Joel, I'm kind of a timid person. Not anymore. There, that settles it. Not anymore. Why? Because you are a soldier in God's army who is commanded by our general to be courageous and to be bold. Let's talk about the benefits of boldness. Boldness speeds up the timeline for personal and external growth. Boldness speeds up the timeline for personal and external growth. Perfect example. My friend Peter here. If Peter was not bold enough to reach out to, I don't know how many hundreds of churches at this point, Oasis Pregnancy Center would not have experienced the growth that it has. Boldness accelerated the growth for that ministry. Does that make sense? Ooh, here's another one. Uh, for some of you, this is the most terrible thing that you have to face every week. <laughs> for some of you, this is <laughs> the most death-defying thing. It, it's actually science, by the way. It, it's scientific psychology that states a lot of people actually fear public speaking more than they fear death. So for some of you, this is scarier than death itself. But if in those moments where the spirit's flowing, the worship is going, and you're starting to feel the tug of God, you're like, no, not me, no. The footsteps that you take from your seat to this microphone cause growth in your soul. Boldness accelerates growth. If you're not growing in a certain area, you need to ask yourself, where am I not being bold? The good news to those who feel that their internal or external growth is taking too long, this is an opportunity for you to identify where you have applied fear into your process by which you can now choose to replace fear with boldness and courage. Now, let's study some examples on when and where to apply boldness. Don't be bold at a funeral. Don't be bold with a police officer when they pull you over. These are just some tips. 
<laughs> there are certain times and places where boldness should be applied better than others. Would you agree? Okay. The first place that I recommend that you need to be bold is you must be bold in your requests before the Lord our God. If you're going to be bold somewhere, if you're going to, especially for my timid people who are a lot more shy, if you're going to start being bold somewhere, start being bold in your prayers. Oh, Joel, I can't disrespect God. Ooh, okay. It would be a disrespect not to be bold. Because it actually says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 13, 14 through 16, since then we have this great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands, everyone say understands, understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet did not sin. So let us come boldly before the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us in the time we need it most. Come on, somebody give praise to Jesus. Come on. It would be a disrespect to God not to approach his throne boldly. A great example of this we can find of a person that decided to approach God boldly in the Gospels, the one that God highlighted to me was the woman with the issue of blood. Raise your hand if you know the story. Okay? This is my favorite part. Raise your hand if you don't know the story. Any first timers? Yes? All right. Jenny, I got you. Before I can tell you that story, though, I got to give you some context. All the way back, thousands of years before this actually occurred in the Gospels, I got to give you a little lesson on the law that God gave to Moses in the book of Leviticus. So let's talk about what God said to the people of Israel when he was talking particularly about a woman who bleeds. Now, you have to understand, as I read this, this was simply God just trying to give the people protocols on how to operate with hygiene and this, that, and the other. Does that make sense? This wasn't meant to condemn anyone. This was not meant to condemn women. This was simply a protocol on how to handle proper hygiene. Does that make sense? The problem with is that with most things, when you put humans in it, they end up getting corrupted, don't they? Amen or amen? So what was meant to be Law and protocol on how to handle proper hygiene, eventually the Sanhedrin and the Jewish leaders took it as a way to condemn people and cast them out of society. Are you with me still? Let's read. Leviticus chapter 15, verse 19, uh, 20, 21, and 25. Whenever a woman has her menstrual period, she's ceremoniously unclean for seven days. Anyone who touches her during that time will also be unclean till evening. Anything on which a woman lies or sits there in that time will also be unclean. If any of you touch her bed, you must wash your clothes and bathe yourself in water, and you will remain unclean until evening. Verse 25. If a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period, did you catch that? 
If a woman has a flow of blood for many days that is unrelated to her menstrual period, or if the blood continues beyond the normal period, she is ceremonially unclean as during her menstrual period. The woman will be unclean as long as the discharge continues. Everyone catch that? So this is the law given to the Jews. This was the law that God gave to Moses. And now this is their protocol on how to handle proper hygiene around this issue. You follow? Unfortunately, like I mentioned earlier, this got corrupted. Unfortunately, Jewish priests started taking this and using this as a way to see who was able to be in society and who's not. So what do we have? Fast forward a few thousand years, we now have a woman who has an issue with blood. Luke chapter 8, verses 43 through 48. A woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. Everyone say constant bleeding. And she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched. The fringe of his robe, immediately the bleeding stopped. Immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it. And Peter said, Master, the whole crowd is pressing up against you. Jesus said, Someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. When the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell at her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. I need to tie this back. I need to go back now. I need to rewind the VHS tape a few thousand years back to Leviticus chapter 15, the same passage we heard about the law. Look what it says in Leviticus chapter 15, verse 30. The priest will offer one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. Through this process, the priest will purify her before the Lord for the ceremonial, for the ceremonial impurity caused by her bleeding. Back then, it was the priest's job that once the woman had been done bleeding, that he would offer a sacrifice before the Lord, and he would cleanse this person from their ceremonial impurity. And yet, here we are, fast forward thousands of years later, the great priest of all priests. Sar Shalom Yeshua. He who is the embodiment of heaven's salvation is walking in the crowd. And this woman, who's had an issue of blood for 12 years, with no remedy, with no healing, with no answers, she hears that Jesus is in town. So what does she do? She decides to act boldly and walk up to Jesus. Although it's against the law, it, it breaks the social protocols, she breaks past all, all the things that society has call, called her unclean, impure, not worth being around. She breaks through all the rejection of society and marches straight to Jesus. And then she does something that at the time 
was not just illegal, but it could have gotten her in serious trouble. She reached out and touched the high priest. And instead of making him, instead of making him unclean and impure, he made her pure and clean. Come on, let's give Jesus some praise. That is just, <laughs> yes. Yeah. He's done it again. Why does that matter? Because you know what? If this woman was not bold, she might have never gotten her healing. If she wasn't bold, that 12 years of blood could have been 22 years. Who knows? But it was the moment of boldness, deciding to put her faith in Jesus and take the nervous steps towards him. That's what turned everything around. Something we can draw from this story is that sometimes boldness is not loud or flashy. Everyone say, not loud or flashy. Sometimes boldness means quietly putting one nervous step in front of another until you finally take hold what is meant to be yours. Sometimes boldness is just putting one nervous step in front of the other until you finally grab hold the promises that God has over your life. Come on, somebody. How much time do I got? I have nine minutes. And I've got a lot more than nine minutes worth of sermon here. So, all right, Lord, bend time. In the name of Jesus, amen. Let's go. Okay, I'm going to share the story with you. Are you guys good if I go over a few minutes? Yes? Okay. The story of three arrows. Anybody know the story of three arrows? Okay. Elisha, the guy that was trained by the great prophet Elijah, Elisha is dying. He's in his last days. And now King Joash, who was the king at the time, during this reign of this prophet Elisha, is coming to Elisha and he says, Hey, Elisha! We're being attacked by Syria again. So what does Elisha tell him to do? Elisha says, then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And he put his hand on it. Then Elisha said, put, the, put it in the king's hands. He put it in the king's hands. Open the window to the east. And he opened it. Elisha said, shoot. And then he shot. And Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow over Ariam, or Syria, for you will strike the Arameans in Aphek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, take arrows, and he took them, and Elisha said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. And he struck it three times and stopped. So the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have struck down Aram until you had destroyed it. But now you shall strike Aram only three times. What does this mean? This means the prophet Elijah, Elisha gives the king an option on how to win this battle, the subsequent battles. He said, this is what the Lord God is telling you. Take the arrow and strike the ground. And however many times you strike that ground, that's how many victories God's going to give you in battle. How cool is that, right? I would say, give me all the arrows in the entire kingdom, every arrow made by trees, start cutting down more trees. I want all the arrows, baby. 
can't help myself. I just like, all right, if that's what you say. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna break this arm. I'm gonna put my arm, my shoulder out of socket. <laughs> but what does he do? He chooses a moment of false humility when it was least appropriate. He chooses to strike the ground only three times. And the man of God, Elisha, was angry with him. So, that's it? God is giving you a blank check and you're only striking the ground three times? Imagine how King Joash felt the morning of the fourth battle. He should have put a bolder claim unto God. Some of you guys are so timid in your prayers, you're not willing to ask God for what you really desire. <sighs> Look, I've prayed to God many times, and many of the things I've prayed for I have not received. Many of the things I've prayed, in fact, most of the things I've prayed for I have not received. Oh, no, I don't want to say that. I don't want to say that. <laughs> A lot of the things I prayed for, I have received. <laughs> so I will say that many of the things I prayed for, I have not received. It's not my responsibility to answer my prayers. That's his responsibility. But you know what you're never going to catch me doing? Praying timid prayers. He may not answer all of them. But what if he answers just one? If he chooses to answer one... I better not have prayed a timid prayer that day. Does that make sense, church? Imagine how King Joash felt the morning of the fourth battle. It's time we stopped praying prayers influenced by a spirit of lack. Oh, you didn't catch it. It's time we stopped praying prayers influenced by a spirit of lack. Okay, a couple more reasons why you need to be bold. Um, Erica, if you could. And then I tried to turn the heat up. Uh, it's an icebox in here. I guess you came to church in a refrigerator today. <laughs> It's all good. Yeah, right? You guys still good? All right. Suffering for Jesus. There we go. Another area to apply boldness is to be bold for standing up for God's holiness in your generation. You got to be willing to stand up for God's holiness in your generation. Look, I sin a lot. I'm the pastor, and I'll tell you right now, I am not without sin. But I'll tell you this. I'm going to call sin, sin every time. Even though it makes me uncomfortable. Even though I don't like what I, what I sometimes produce from my hands and from my body, I'm not going to deny what God calls sin. I'm right here with you. I'm right with the rest of you. 
And I have to be willing to stand up for God's definition of holiness in my generation. And you know what? Flip a few tables over if you have to. John chapter 2, verse 14, Jesus in the temple saw the merchants selling cattle, sheep, and doves for sacrifices. You ever get mad when, when churches uh, make everything about money? Raise your hand if you ever get mad about that. Raise your hand, church, if you ever get mad when churches make everything about money. Come on, I can't be the only one. Thank you. You know who else gets mad about that? Jesus. When they turn the whole system of worshiping God and people connect with God, they turn it into a way to make money. Ooh, that makes him so angry that the Son of God, Yahweh, incarnate, God made flesh, made a whip. That's anger, y'all. You ever been so angry that you, like, start, like, crafting your plan? It, like, lasts a while. It like, like, it's not, like, instant anger. You're, like, angry all the way through the, like, Jesus was so angry, he weaved a whole whip. That's what happens when you make a carpenter angry. He made a whip from ropes and chased them all out of the temple. He drove out sheep, cattle, scattered the money changers' coins over the floor, and turned over the tables. Whew. Then going over the people who sold doves, he told them, get these things out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a marketplace. couple more areas where you need to be bold is in your place of work and business. I can't, I don't have time to read the whole story, but the story of the power of the, the parable of the talents, God gave the, 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 the story, this parable, where a rich man had given some money bags to some, it was five to one, I believe it was three to one, and, and one to another. And the more of the story is, the men that had more, the Bible says he went, they went out and traded they took risks on the resources that the master had given them, and they doubled the resources. But the one who only had one talent or one bag of money, the Bible says, I knew you, when the master returned, he told the master, I need you to be a shrewd man, where you reap where you had not sown. So what I did is I took and I hid your talent. I hid your bag of money. Here it is. I've returned it back to you. And the Bible says that the master called this servant a lazy, wicked servant. We got to be bold with what God has given us. With the objective to multiply it. Because you know what I don't want to be called? I don't want to be called a wicked, lazy servant by my master. Last two. Be bold in your work because the Bible says that God's already given you the skills you need to be successful. Exodus chapter 35, verse 35. He filled them with skill to do every sort of work that needed to be done. He filled them with skill to do every sort of work that needed to be done. Joel, I don't really know if I can do that. Nonsense. God's already filled you with the skill that you need. Joel, I'm not a very good mother. Nonsense. God's already filled you with the skills that you need. I'm not a very good business person. Nonsense. God's already filled you with the skills that you need 
to perform every work that needs to be done. Exodus 35, verse 35. In fact, that was in relation to building his temple. So when you're going about your day, being bold, just be thinking, when I'm here in my place of work, I'm also building God's kingdom, his temple, here on the earth. Go ahead and stand to your feet. Let's get ready to pray. Have you, have you been blessed by this? I sure hope so. Good. The last area that I'm going to point out where you should apply boldness is boldness in your relationships. Uh, whoever's uh, signed up to pray, can you just come down? This is very, very important. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to be bravely honest in the communications, or sorry, bravely honest in the relationships that you're closest to. Sometimes the boldest thing that you can do is to look to the person that you spend every day with and actually tell them how you really feel. You want to talk about boldness? Oh, man. Some people can get up and preach a great sermon and hallelujah, but they can't look at their wives and actually tell them how they really feel. Or they can't look at their husbands and actually tell them what's going on really inside. If there's one place that you need to be bold with this year, it's bold within your closest relationships. The Bible says in the book of James, chapter 5, verse 16, it says, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. It says in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 14 through 15, then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever that they sound like truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love. I guarantee you there's some truth in here that you haven't said to the person you love most. I mostly guarantee you. Some of you actually live authentic relationships, but for those of you who don't, ooh, it's time for freedom. It's time to be boldly authentic. Yeah? So what are the places that, to apply boldness? Boldness in your prayers, right? Boldness in your business. Boldness in your relationships. And there's one more, and I can't remember. <laughs> oh, boldness is standing up for God's holiness in your generation. If you're going to be anything, be bold. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place, Carolwood. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at a gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.